From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. Winter is coming to an end more slowly in some places than others, and that means folks in the bluegrass state are starting to get ready for the most important day of the year, the Kentucky Derby. And what would Derby Day be without a mint julep, the iconic bourbon cocktail? But did you know that the bourbon industry is dealing with an ongoing tax issue in Kentucky? The state imposes taxes not just on the liquor the industry sells, but also on the barrels that the liquor is stored in. And bourbon makers have been trying to eliminate this tax for a long, long time. What's the origin of this tax? And will this legislative session be the one that ends it? We pose those questions to Mark Summer, an attorney with Frost Brown Todd in Louisville, who represents bourbon makers. Mark spoke to Bloomberg tax reporter Michael Bologna about the industry, and if you stick around to the end of this episode, you'll hear Mark's back-to-basics recipe for a mint julep. But first, Mark talked about what the industry means to his state. You know, Kentucky basically has, uh, over generations, had three signature industries, uh, thoroughbred racing or the horse industry, including horse breeding. Uh, Tobacco would have been another signature industry, certainly less so over the last generation, and then bourbon. Those are three critical industries, but they're all historic. They all go back to, you know, the 1700s, for lack of a better term, before the country was formed. So it's, it's embedded in everyone's culture. Uh, it is part of Kentucky life, and it's just um, uh, a, a matter of pride, I would suggest, for anyone associated with the Commonwealth. Kentucky bourbon is. And can you kind of describe bourbon as an industry or economic force in Kentucky? And then how has that changed in the last decade? Because I understand there's been a lot of growth. The significance or materiality of bourbon and Kentucky's part in it can't be overstated. 95% of the bourbon sold in the world traces to distillation and storage in Kentucky. Uh, There's over 100 distillers in the state. Their employment is well over 6,000 direct distillation and warehouse jobs. Economic impact studies have been run by the Kentucky Distillers Association, maybe an economic impact of around $9 billion. Uh, So it's not an immaterial part of Kentucky's economy. But, you know, to the second part of your question, relating to what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years. Well, the equivalent of what happened with California or Napa or Sonoma Valley wine over the last 30 to 40 years, well, we have that in Kentucky now, and that's the big thing that's happened over the last 20 years. They call it bourbon tourism. Bourbonism is another term. Uh, There is the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. People travel literally from all over the world to come to Kentucky to tour the distilleries. Bourbon was at an all-time low in terms of distillation and consumption in the 70s. You know, the doc, the, the reports are well documented. Uh, Americans and pretty much across the world were using clear liquors, whatever that be, vodka, gin, uh, white rum, and the like. Uh, and the industry was on hard times in the 70s. And then coming back in the 1980s, going on into the 90s that you could see positive trend lines. And then over the last 20 years, it has literally exploded. Hmm. So let's talk about the the bourbon barrel tax, which is the focus today. Uh, What is it? uh, When was it established? And does this tax resemble anything else we see in state tax codes? Great question. Uh, I'm a history nerd. 
So, uh, you know, in my practice of state and local tax, you know, it's, it's normal for me to research the history of a statutory provision. Kentucky's barrel tax, some might look at it and say it's just another inventory tax. Uh, and probably when it started, it probably was. But it started over 130 years ago. And uh, it affect taxes bourbon in the barrel uh, as inventory. That tax rate can vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Some cities and counties have a higher burden on bourbon in the barrel than others. Some tax uh, inventory in process or work in process, goods in process. Others don't. Every school district, however, taxes inventory. So you've got to have a a dynamic that started out normal from a historical perspective 130 years ago. And fast forward to 2023, there's only a handful of states that have any kind of inventory tangible property tax, maybe less than 10. I know I haven't done the research lately. I would say somewhere north of five and below 10, probably six or seven if I had to check. So it's quite unique. And what about, uh, you know, does California have anything like this for the wine industry or no? No, absolutely not. And obviously, you, you know, you, you could uh, put that on a sounding point for the uh, industry who favors reduction or elimination of the tax. That's, you know, one of their targets. They would say, well, look what Napa and Sonoma and Livermore Valley have done for Northern California and look at what they have created. We're in the process of creating the same thing in Kentucky, but we're being negatively impacted, harmed, for lack of a better term, by this uh, onerous tax. I will say this, uh, reports would suggest there is no tax like this in the world. In other words, that products in the process of manufacture, right, are taxed in this manner throughout the life of the goods. Because you have to keep in mind, Mike, that the whole point of aging bourbon in a barrel is to change the character and the composition of what's in the barrel. And no two barrels of bourbon are alike. That's what makes it great from a, um, uh, a cultural standpoint. You just don't know what you're going to get out of that barrel until you dump that barrel. Well, so now I understand that there have been various efforts to repeal the, the bourbon barrel tax uh, over the years. Uh, what's happening at the moment? Uh, how's that manifesting? Well, a uh, little context, I think, is, is in order. The, the issue, obviously, is ever-increasing amounts of bourbon being stored in warehouses. So that's going to lead to a tax increase in and of itself. Uh, in order to stimulate the industry, in 2014 the Kentucky General Assembly enacted a credit whereby a distiller's income tax, corporate income tax, or limited liability entity tax could be offset by the amount of bourbon barrel tax paid by that distiller in exchange for the distiller making significant capital expenditure investments to grow the industry. In other words, if you spent X and you paid Y in barrel tax, we will give you a credit of Z. And all that worked well, or so I think most people informed on the topic would would agree, until 2018, 2019, or thereabouts, when a series of corporate income tax changes were made in Kentucky. These were changes that affected every 
taxpayer, mind you, not just the distillery industry or the bourbon industry. The, the impact of all of these ultimately led to a material and significant decrease in the income tax burden of the distillers. Why? Because 95%, as I said earlier, of their product is shipped worldwide, right? 95% of this product is consumed, sold and consumed worldwide, is made in Kentucky. All that income associated with the product is being apportioned away from Kentucky. Well, faced with these these credits, which could not be monetized, they could not be sold, they could not be transferred, they were non-refundable, so you could never take your liability below zero because of a barrel tax credit, the industry was looking for relief. And what they believed was, well, we're not getting what we thought we were getting when we worked through this legislative fix in 2014. In other words, an offset of the barrel tax on the income tax return. And so that has led to a movement over the last 18 months, longer than that, but in earnest, the last 18 months, to repeal uh, or significantly eliminate, over time, the barrel tax. Well, tell us about that, because you formed a, a task force to, to, to look at that issue, yeah? Great, great question. Last legislative session, there were efforts to repeal the barrel tax. Those did not move forward, but the General Assembly did um, create and empower a joint legislative task force and um, ultimately did not reach a conclusion. Um, and that led to a bill, HB5, that was filed in the House of Representatives approximately 10 days ago. Uh, and that would essentially phase out the barrel tax, you know, stepping it down from 100% to 97%, et cetera, et cetera. The thought being that it would allow the county's time, the school district's time, to adjust to the loss of this revenue stream. You know, what happens now, we don't know. Uh, this is what's called a short year. So Kentucky's legislature meets 30 days annually in an odd year. And that's oh. that. And we're in an odd year now. Um, any kind of, quote, revenue bill, uh, they have a higher standard to pass during an odd year. During an even year, it's just a simple majority. But during an odd year, it takes a super majority. I think that's north of 60%. It could be 60%. You know, is that possible to pass this year? Certainly, the Republican Party controls each of the two chambers with a supermajority, well north of 70% in each chamber. So if the Republicans were unified, for example, uh, on the bill, uh, they could pass it, this 30-day, you know, supermajority provision notwithstanding. Um, so anyway, how, how about in conclusion, you tell us uh, in anticipation of Kentucky Derby Day, what's, uh, what's your, 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 your favorite recipe for the mint julep? Well, the traditional mint julep, you know, if you were to, fortunate enough to go see America's greatest race, the Kentucky Derby, um, they have great ones at Churchill Downs. But any real Kentuckian will tell you that what you have to do is take a big sip right away when you get it, and then you top it off with bourbon. Right. So you could never have too much bourbon in any mint julep. There's other recipes. You know, we were joking earlier that, uh, you know, what is it? Well, it's ice. You fill it up to the brim with bourbon. You might put a little bit of sugar in there, just a smidge and wave a mint uh, leaf or, or stick around. Right. Just to get the smell of the mint julep. Uh, I enjoy a mint julep on 
Derby Day, as does every uh, person who's fortunate enough to go to the Kentucky Derby. But uh, they can be a little sweet. So, um, you know, kind of like wine snobs from California, there's bourbon snobs here in Kentucky, and they don't want to um, disrupt their palate with things like sugar water or mint flavor or even ice. Uh, the, you know, the most, the most pure bourbon drinker drinks it neat, sips it, and savors it just like the most pure uh, vintners, right? They want to they want to accept and receive all that that glass of wine has, uh, you know, the smell, the taste, while it while how it is on your tongue. So, um, probably more than you wanted to know about a mint julep, but uh, now you'll be ready when you get an invite to the Kentucky Derby, Mike. That was bourbon attorney Mark Summer speaking with Bloomberg Tax's Michael Bologna. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Rachel Daigle is our editor, and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Hello, podcast listeners. If you don't already know On the Merits, our weekly podcast devoted to legal and government news, it's a show that features the very best of Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government, newsrooms that boast among the largest number of credentialed journalists in D.C. When you listen to On the Merits, you'll hear about the groundbreaking developments in the courts, in Congress, and in the alphabet soup of federal agencies that run Washington and our nation. Our show is by and about legal and government policy nerds, and we say that lovingly. It's a nerd's eye view of what professionals in the legal and government space need to know. But you do not have to be a nerd to listen. Check out our show on the merits and find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find our archive of shows at news.bloomberglaw.com slash podcasts.